Today marks a special day in the life of Christians around the world. Today is Palm Sunday. Amen. There ought to be celebrations taking place around the globe today for the sake of Palm Sunday. Praise the Lord. There have been enough worship, drama, praise that has gone forth in this church today that we ought to have have a, a, a feeling in our heart of saying, man, we're just filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen. Many places don't bask in this unique privilege. Many places haven't seen as many conversions as we have of late. And that's something that we ought to give God praise for. I, I'll tell you one thing. It doesn't take much for a person to praise the Lord. A lot of folks want you to believe that a praise has to be generated out of a drum beat or a strum on a musical instrument. A lot of people want you to think that unless that setting is presented, that it's impossible for you to praise the Lord. Well, I, I want to tell you that I don't need all that to praise God. It's wonderful to have, and these guys are answered prayer. Believe you me, God's adding to the family here at Harvest Church. Those are wonderful blessings to have. But in reality, all I need to praise God is just a flashback. Amen. All, all that I need to worship him and give him the praise that he rightfully deserves is just to remember where I was when he found me. Have I any witnesses here? Praise the Lord. Then you will be really excited as we uh, make an attempt today to expound upon the Lord's word in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 21. Matthew chapter 21. You're standing in the Lord's presence for the reading of his word. Delighted to see the body of Christ in the house of the Lord today. Thankful for you, you and especially you, in your presence here in this service. Next Sunday is Easter. Thank you for your generous giving and the first fruit offering last Sunday to the tune of $7,015. Amen. I said all you needed was a flashback. Somebody missed a good place to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew 21 the word of the Lord states in our presence. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. The owner will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Who is this, they said. When the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father God, we thank you for your anointing word that has been read in our presence. We thank you for the fulfillment thereof. And because of such fulfillment, we now, Lord, cherish the right relationship that we share with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit today that we need your anointing to effectively minister this word to the lives of the body of believers assembled in this place today. As you have in times past, Lord, would you again fill this place with your glory. Let the word of God be ministered in power and great conviction so as to bring change and impact the life of every believer assembled here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's church said amen. amen. And amen. You might be seated if you can. I want to I preach today a message from the Word of God simply entitled, The Donkey, The Palm, and Me. The Donkey, The Palm, and Me. Today is Palm Sunday. Celebrated by Christians around the world to commemorate or to honor Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. It's known in Christian circles as the beginning of Passion Week. The final seven days of his earthly ministry. Some scholars say the very beginning of the end of his work here upon the earth. The synoptic gospels record this great event. But Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one. In his effort to appeal to his audience, Matthew presents Jesus Christ as our eternal king. Every detail of this event has specific meaning, meaning that we have often overlooked. We have been so overwhelmed by the noise of the multitude. We have been drawn into the activity of the event. But how often have we took time to understand every particular or every detail of this event? Let's take a closer look. Because even the donkey has great significance in today's story. We understand that a donkey is a domesticated member of the horse family. He's, he's tamed. Domesticated means he's tamed. But what meaning does he have in this story? You see, it's understandable that uh, 450 to 500 years before this event, the prophet Zechariah prophesies or foretells about this great happening. Anybody with me? Zechariah 9 and 9, amen, a messianic prophecy. Messianic means relating to the Messiah in relation to the anointed one. 
So a messianic prophecy that was uttered 500 years before Jesus was ever introduced on the scene is fulfilled in the eyes of the multitude who have assembled in Jerusalem just one week before the crucifixion of our Lord. Is anybody listening? And the scripture states, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, for behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You say, Pastor, that just doesn't seem like a fitting way for a king to enter into a city. Well, let me, let me just underline and specify some great specifics about this donkey. You see, they were known as beasts of burden. And more commonly, kings would ride on the backs of donkeys when they brought a message of peace. Help me just a minute, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. More than likely, kings rode on the backs of gallant steeds or, or beautiful horses uh, when they brought a message of war. But what's interesting is, at this particular time, our eternal king, the Lord Jesus Christ, rides into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, amen, to proclaim peace. Proclaiming peace. Jewish scholars and teachers also known as rabbis, they noticed uh, uh, that at least two other Bible figures employed donkeys in the fulfillment of God's divine mission. You might say, who were they? Well, the first one was the man of God known as Abraham. Abraham. In the book of Genesis 22 and verse number 3, Abraham is on his way making preparations to ascend up Mount Moriah to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Somebody say, now preacher, Isaac wasn't Abraham's only son. No, but he was the son of the promise. Are you getting this, somebody? Because the Bible, we believe in our hearts that everything in the old is a foreshadow or a prefigure of the new. So symbolically, we believe that Abraham, in this story, uh, he pictured what Jesus would do one day in sacrificing his own life for the sins of humanity. Do you believe that Abraham, acting in full obedience and complete obedience to God, amen, followed every order, every detail of what God had said concerning uh, take your son out? Isaac and journey up to uh, the land of Moriah, the mountain there, and there you'll sacrifice him. Do you believe that Abraham acted in faith and obedience to God? Well, that's what the scriptures afford us. The scriptures tell us that Abraham did what? In, in 20, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. Took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. In other words, preparation had already been made before they set out on this journey. Pastor, why are you telling me all this? Uh, because before, Brother Manny, the foundation of time and the earth was ever set in place. I believe that God, in his infinite wisdom, had already designed the plan, even knowing that Adam and Eve would fail in the garden that God had already designed a plan in the future that he would release to us his son, the sacrificial lamb of God. God is not a responder. He is indeed a planner. Every act that Abraham did foreshadowed of how God would one day send his only son Jesus 
as the sacrifice for our sins. You say to me, Pastor, I know that when they ascended on that mount and Isaac looked around and he saw everything they needed except for that lamb for the sacrifice. Do you believe that Abraham would have killed his own son? Absolutely, because I believe the faith of Abraham was such that if God would have taken Isaac's life, he would have raised him from the dead just to fulfill the feel the spirit of God. Hallelujah, the promise that he made to his patriarch saint. You say to me, Pastor, how can you embrace that? Praise the Lord. I want to tell you how because the presence of God, He, the Holy Ghost, bears witness to this reality that God is able to do far above anything that we can ask or think according to His power that works in us according to Paul's writing to the Ephesian believers. Preacher, do you believe that Abraham would have killed Isaac? Absolutely. Had God not provided a ram. Absolutely. For the power of God would have raised Isaac from the dead for God to fulfill his covenant promise. Praise the Lord, saints. How about the second man who used a donkey to fulfill God's divine mission? His name was Moses. Moses. Moses, who was born a Hebrew, raised in the house of Pharaoh. Fled from Egypt because he murdered an Egyptian. Spent 40 years on the backside of a Midian desert. What did he do? Well, according to the word of God in Exodus 4 and 20, he went back to Egypt. Praise God. What happened? Moses took his wife and his sons, set them on a donkey, and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Pastor, what are you saying? Amen. He returned to Egypt to free Israel from slavery. Don't this foreshadow, praise the Lord, the kind of redemption that God would accomplish in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Doesn't this foreshadow exactly what God had planned through his son? You better believe it because here is what happened. It freed us from the captivity of sin and it made you and I, the believer, it made us a new creation in the Lord our God. You see, as Israel Israel was spared from the tenth plague. What was the tenth plague? The death of the firstborn. Are you with me, saints of God? The Bible said God commanded Moses to kill the Passover lamb and to spread the blood over the doorpost. Brother Anthony, what are you saying? I'm simply saying they were saved by the blood of the Passover lamb. Is anybody here today saved by the blood of Jesus? Can I get one witness? It foreshadowed exactly what God had planned thousands of years before. Pastor, what what, what significance does this donkey have? Prophecy fulfilled. Uttered 450 to 500 years before Jesus' arrival. Were the Jews looking for a deliverer? Help me, saints. Were the Jews looking for a Messiah? How did they fail to recognize Jesus for who he is? Number one, Jesus didn't come in royal splendor. Jesus didn't come in great power and authority. 
Jesus did not come to overthrow the Roman government. But he came to seek and to save all that which was lost. He came as a baby. Born in a manger. In a stable in Bethlehem. But I heard the angels say hallelujah. On his ascension through the clouds of heaven. Why stand ye here gazing? For in like manner you have seen him go away. He's coming back again. Wow, glory to God. I wonder if anybody here today is looking for the coming Messiah. His name is Jesus. It's amazing how God carried out his plan on a beast of burden. Galatians 3 and 16 said this of Jesus. He's the seed of Abraham. Hebrews 3 and 3 said he's greater than Moses. Lord help me. What does that say to you pastor? This speaks volumes to the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's greater than the order of any who's preceded him. And they failed to recognize him as our eternal king. What about the palm tree? Well, that's a story all its own. Because palm trees are known to grow in warm regions and they have a, a tall, straight trunk, but they have no branches. They're often referred to in the scriptures by the author saying they laid palm branches, but they were actually leaves. Because if you ever notice a palm, it grows straight up with no branches, only leaves at the top. Does anybody follow me? I did a little research and discovered there are over 2,600 species of, of palm trees that can be found in the world today. I know what some of you are saying in your mind right now. You're saying, don't coconuts come from palm trees? They do. But that's not the only fruit that palm trees produce. Well, this is good preaching. The truth of the matter is that palm trees can be traced back to the Mesopotamian times. When in the world was that? Some of the, some of the first recording existence of man, five to 6,000 years. Mesopotamian time. Mesopotamia means between two rivers. That means the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Mesopotamia. Very fertile property. Amen. But let me tell you, they also provide other fruit. They provide dates. They provide acacia fruit. They provide oil, among many other things. You know that a palm tree is not even considered a tree. It's considered a shrub. I said, boy, that's a big shrub that grows 200 feet tall. But palm trees can grow in the excess of 200 feet tall. Wow. But here's what I took notice of. Even though, Brother Anthony, they can grow so tall, they have a root system no deeper than 36 inches below the surface of the earth. No deeper than three feet below the surface of the earth. But here's what's unique about them. They will extend out to as much as 50 feet from the base of the tree. Oh, glory. You're going to get this in a minute. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Here's what the Assyrians believed about a palm tree. 
The Assyrians believed that the palm tree was an ultimate symbol of life. They often depicted that by a drawing of a tree that was growing beside a stream. Even the Romans placed great significance in the palm tree. They used palm branches or masses of leaves as a symbol of victory. Think about that, saints of God. In Judaism and Christianity, the palm symbolizes peace. Praise the Lord. Here's another interesting note that I discovered about the palm tree. Unlike many other trees, palms have no rings that help determine their age. Think about that. You say, boy, I'd love to see you make a spiritual connection right here. Well, how can I make a spiritual connection? Well, let's turn to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. What particular or what detail then does the palm tree have in today's text? I believe that the palm tree describes a righteous man. I believe it describes a righteous man. The writer in Psalms 1 said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. You know what else I discovered about palms? They live a long time. Help me somebody. Here's what the writer said. He should be like a tree. Oh glory. Planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth its fruit in its season. Hear me saints of God. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Does that sound like the parallel of a righteous man to you? I believe, amen, that one other note that we need uh, to take down is that as a palm tree grows, its fruit gets better. Praise the Lord. As it grows, shouldn't that be the way it is with you and I? As we grow, the fruit we produce ought to be better. The fragrance that we emit. You know, Paul said that we emit a fragrance. We emit an aroma. Not only did Jesus say, you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. But Paul said, as believers, we emit an aroma. Oh, we set off a fragrance, saints of God. And what does it do? Mother, it attracts others, glory to God, into the walk that we enjoy with Jesus. Help me, oh, Holy Ghost, just a few moments. What I understand is that as a palm grows its fruit becomes better and another interesting fact is that in the desert the sighting of a palm tree was a guarantee that water could be found it's a symbol of strength it's a symbol of stability it's a symbol glory to God of endurance the writer said blessed is the man or happy is that man Thank God it's a symbol of who we are as fellow believers in Jesus Christ. 
It's who Jesus was. One who enjoyed right standing with God. Let's look at Psalms 92 and 12. Psalms 92 and 12. The righteous. Who who, who are the righteous? Say it out loud, Brother Harold. The people of God. We are. God's children. The church. We are. The psalmist said the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Oh, praise the Lord. And he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Cedars were those trees that Solomon incorporated in the construction of the temple in Jerusalem. They were imported from the land of Lebanon. But what about the significance of this palm tree? You see, the psalmist saw believers in this light that they were upright, that they were strong, that they were unmoved by the winds of circumstance. Can I bless somebody and tell you today when you're anchored your soul in the haven of rest, you're going to be like a tree glory to God planted by the rivers of water and the songwriter said I shall not be moved oh praise the Lord like a tree planted by the water I shall not be moved now Jesus never said the contrary winds of change wouldn't blow Jesus never said praise God that circumstance and situation wouldn't arise out of nowhere to blow us off of the desired course but here's what Jesus did say he said I'm a very present help in the time of a storm how many know that he said through the writer of the book of Psalm that he is our refuge you missed a good place to give him praise hallelujah So what does that mean to me? What does that mean today for us as a believer? It means that we stand tall in the face of our adversaries. That's right. There was a multitude that day that pressed Jesus. Am I right? There was a multitude that was awaiting his arrival into the city of Jerusalem. Many of them did not believe. They were caught up in the moment. How many of you know that it's easy to blend in with a crowd? But it takes character to stand out and be different. Praise the Lord, saints. It's easy to blend in with a crowd. But man, it takes character to stand out and to be different. So the writer, he saw us as believers with the ability To withstand those forces that would attempt to blow us over. He saw us as upright, strong, and unmoved by circumstance. Standing tall in the face of adversity. The palm tree. They were crying, Hosanna. To the son of David. Blessed is he who comes. In the name of the Lord. That word Hosanna means. Save us. Or help us. Hosanna in the highest. Caught up. In the moment. Many remember this is only days. 
before Jesus would be crucified. The beginning of the end of his work here upon the earth. Well, Pastor, I understand the significance of the donkey and I understand the significance of the palm, but what's the significance of me? How do you pull me out of this passage of Scripture? Me is a reference by a speaker or a writer when mentioning his or herself. And as we recount the historical event, how is it that after all the miraculous things that Jesus did up to this point, that the people failed to clearly understand the true reason for Jesus' presence? How is it? Have you ever looked straight at somebody and didn't see them? How can that happen? Because our minds can be so fixed on other overwhelming things. Somebody ever see you in church and say, I saw you this week, tooted the horn at you, waved at you, and you looked dead at me and never responded. I saw Sister Nancy on West 5th Street one day. It's been several years ago. It's been several years ago. I'm not, I'm not teasing her now. I'm just stating a fact. And as the vehicle neared, I realized it was Sister Nancy, so I prepared myself to say hi. And she never saw me. Isn't that a complete letdown? Got a text a few weeks ago, and a gentleman said, I see you. <laughs> In the middle of a work day on a Friday, you see me. And I responded, I'd be hard to miss in this high-vis safety coat that I'm wearing here at work. So upon arriving at church on Sunday morning, he said, I didn't see you at such and such. I said, no, sir, you did not see me at such and such. I could have declared that was your truck that I saw. I said, sir, you couldn't have been at 2901 Kenny Biggs Road then because that's where I was. Yeah. So again, have you looked straight at someone? And because your mind was overwhelmed with so many other things, you completely didn't even acknowledge or recognize them? Now, I didn't tease Sister Nancy about that in great detail. I had a little fun with it, of course. Those of you that know me know I'm, I mean, I, I, like, I like a good laugh. I, I enjoy having fun. But I also understand that the cares and affairs of life can overwhelm us to the point that we completely miss what's clearly visible right in front of us. Praise God. It happens to the best of us, saints. We recount this historical event in the scriptures and we wonder how could these people fail to clearly understand the true reason of Jesus' presence. Well, let's look over these things for a moment. You see, in reality, it was just a short time prior to his entry into Jerusalem that Jesus had fed 5,000. With five loaves and two fish. Is that a miracle? 
That's Matthew 14, 17 through 21. We move just a chapter beyond Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And we find that Jesus delivers a young Canaanite girl who was demon possessed. Is that a miracle? Hold on a minute, somebody. Now listen, I know how we are when we hear Kmart got something on Blue Light Special. So how are we going to miss the miracles of Jesus? How are we not going to investigate these matters and do the best we can to get a personal look at this guy? Did it happen? We better believe that it happened. Can it happen to us? Indeed. For we too can be so overwhelmed with the cares and affairs of life that we miss that that's clearly visible in front of us. Let's move to Matthew 17, 14 through 18. Jesus heals an epileptic. This person comes to Jesus and said, My son has this problem. Sometimes he throws himself into the fire. Epilepsy affects our nervous system, right? So in other words, this person didn't have any control of themselves, but that's, that's definitely not, not the underlying problem. The underlying problem was Satan. That's the underlying problem. But did Jesus heal this epileptic? Absolutely he did. We can even move to the preceding chapter, Matthew chapter number 20, verses 29 through 34. And right before the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, we see that two blind men received their sight at the hand of our Savior. How do you miss this? How do you miss this? Musicians are coming. Musicians are coming. You say, Pastor, how can things like this be missed? Well, let me help you. They can be missed because like me or like us, they saw Jesus but didn't really recognize who he is. You've heard me make this statement more times than one that I truly believe that most people follow Jesus because of what they can get out of him. Or what miracle Jesus can perform for them. But most people don't follow Jesus for who he is. Oh praise God. Most people fail to follow Jesus because he's the matchless lamb of God. Most people fail to follow him because he is our eternal king. Most people even fail to recognize who he is. But according to Paul's writing, in the book of Philippians, chapter number 2, verses 10 and 11. This is Paul. He is writing to the identity of Christ. He is acknowledging what's going to take place at a future time. I did a little research, Brother Khan, and it, it basically said the word 
that the author uses for when the city was moved. He used a Greek term. And that term was seo. You know what it is directly connected to? The English word seismic. So you know what that means? It means that when Jesus ascended, or descended, excuse me, when Jesus descended, Jerusalem sits between the mountains. Brother Anthony, it says that when Jesus ascended down toward the city of Jerusalem, the noise of that multitude was seismic. You know where we connect the word seismic? With earthquake activity. Oh Lord, somebody. So pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm, what I'm saying, Matt, is that when Jesus descended into the city of Jerusalem, riding on that donkey, the cloaks of the disciples spread on his back, the coats of the people thrown into the street, that it was almost like an earthquake, their cries. Y'all ain't getting this. I said the sound of their cries. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Their cries were almost of seismic proportion. What you trying to say? Somebody tapped in to the reality that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of almighty God. And their noise reverberated in the city. So that almost it was as if an earthquake was taking place. I wonder sometime if we could just get God's attention like that in praise what God would do. I wonder if we would just raise him to heavenly glory through praise and adoration. I wonder what would take place in the house of God. There have been times when I have seen, glory to God, where storms were moving in on groups of people and they begin to cry out and, and they begin to pray and they begin to say, Oh God, all power is in your Son, Jesus' name. Lord, move this storm away from us. And you can clearly see on live video where the storm would take another course. I wonder, saints of God, what it would be like if we could worship God to that degree. I wonder. The truth of the matter is that many of us in this room, we want to experience that environment we want to experience that atmosphere am I right we want to experience the overwhelming presence of the righteous king of earth and glory but let me tell you what ushers it in what ushers it in is the praise of our lips those people were crying Hosanna save us or help us and blessed is the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord 
Pastor, how does that apply to me? Very personably, saints of God, it applies to you and me because we can't sit and wait on someone else to do it. We have to take, praise God, the initiative upon ourselves. And here's what Paul said. I want to be there that day. How about you? I want to be there as Paul said to the Philippian believers in Philippians 2 and verses 10 and number 11. Listen, whether we want to do this or not, this is what's physically going to take place. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. You say, preacher, what, 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 what are you talking about? I'm talking about all that lived and died and all the living. All those in heaven, all those on the earth, and those in the dreadful place. The Bible said that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul looks beyond the moment of Christ's exaltation as he descends into the city of Jerusalem. And if you thought that was a noise, man, you just wait till Philippians 2, 10 and 11 uh, takes place. When every soul upon the planet, when every believer that occupies heaven, when everyone who failed to accept Christ as Lord of their life will bow on their knees and lift their voice and say, Jesus Christ, it's amen the son of God to the glory of God the father hallelujah the donkey the palm and me I'm going to say this because I feel compelled in the spirit we shouldn't have to be primed to worship God hallelujah we shouldn't have to be coached or encouraged to give God praise that day he was exalted and a few days later he was crucified but I'm reminded that just in three short days that he got out of that grave amen he didn't need assistance there was no secret plan devised Help me, saints of God. But he got out on his own power, just like he said he would. Stand with me all over this building. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. That multitude asked this question, who is this? For the chance they reasoned among themselves, who is this? They said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They only told a partial truth. Am I right? That multitude didn't acknowledge that he was our Messiah. That multitude didn't acknowledge that he's our eternal king. They said, he's the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So I ask us this question today. How is it that we can see the Savior in every aspect? We can see Christ at work in every detail of our lives. But we still do not recognize Him for who He is. Who is He, Pastor? 
He is the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus is our eternal King. Father, thank you for the recording of this historical event. Thank you for the great significance that lies within this occasion. Thank you that it applies to our lives as believers who are present here today. And without the beast of burden symbolized a king who came to offer peace for the palm that symbolizes one in right standing with God. One who is strong and stable. One who endures. One who will not be moved by the winds of circumstance. Thank you, Lord, for the particular of ourselves who see the miraculous acts of Christ recorded throughout the Word but still fail to recognize who He is. Thank you that your word has been illuminated for our understanding and that we now know every particular surrounding this story. Lord, thank you that your word has gone out today. Touch the hearts of believers throughout this facility. It is our prayer now, if there is one unsaved under our voice, God, that they would cry out to you for salvation. Father, throughout the course of this week, may we forever be reminded of the great sacrificial act of our Savior Jesus Christ, who died to redeem us from sin. May this forever be etched on the tables of our own hearts. Would you bless the congregation of Harvest Church today? Lord, as we continue our fast, would you strengthen us, encourage us through your word, undergird us in the depths of your love. Bring us to this place on next week with a spirit of expectancy believing you to accomplish great things in our lives. For that we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.